0: This is Health Talk by TriHealth, a monthly podcast to help you take charge of your own health care and live a healthier, happier life. I'm Tom Tumbush. Any form of cancer is a life-altering condition, but that's especially true when it comes to brain tumors, which can cause severe headaches, memory issues, loss of vision or balance, personality changes, and other major challenges. My first guest today is Dr. Richard Curry, the only fellowship-trained neuro-oncologist currently practicing in Southwest Ohio. He's a native of Cincinnati's West Side, and has also volunteered for several global organizations, treating neurological diseases and setting up medical clinics in India and Haiti. Also in the studio with us today is Bob Kem, who is beating the odds after overcoming several brain tumors since 2012. He's an avid runner, and even applied for the Amazing Race with Dr. Curry in 2013. Dr. Curry, Bob, welcome to Health Talk. Now, before we begin, I understand some congratulations are in order. Uh, In late September of this year, Good Samaritan Hospital was the first hospital in the Midwest and only the third in the country, as I understand, to earn the Joint Commission's gold seal of approval for brain tumor certification. Uh, That sounds like a pretty big deal. Dr. Curry, what does that certification mean both for TriHealth and for patients in greater Cincinnati?
1: Yeah, that's correct. We were really excited when we received the certification. For us on the TriHealth side, we felt that we were giving and providing excellent care for our brain tumor patients. So it was a process for us to get external validation to make sure we were hitting all the metrics. And also it was important for us, for the patients to know that we really are providing that excellent care. And the process was so special to us because I think it's a way for us to continue to strive to get better. There are a lot of metrics that we have to meet now. And Mm -hmm. then we also set up metrics in the next two years that we have to hit that are new metrics for us and measurements of excellence for us. It's just a continual process
0: to strive to get better for our patients. So you have to continue to meet those goals to maintain that certification, in other words.
1: We do. They'll return in two years, Mm -hmm. and they'll look at the data, and they'll look at the new metrics that we outlined, and that's something that will allow us to hopefully get recertified in 2020.
0: Excellent. Well, congratulations. Thanks. So you mentioned a number of metrics that led to that certification. Tell us what like one or two of those were. One of them, the one
1: that excited us the most, was patient satisfaction and fa- patient feedback. Mm-hmm. So all of our patients who had just completed their round of chemotherapy and radiation, we gave them a list of 10 questions about their experience in our brain tumor center, and they were able to feed that back to us. And we, we did get great marks on it, but it also gave them an opportunity to make suggestions. Everybody's experience is so different. Sometimes you may learn something from one person that can be applicable to everybody. So. We, we use that as one of our metrics. Another one that's just very standard is patients that have surgery, we really want to make sure that everybody starts chemotherapy and radiation within four weeks of their surgery. That's something we were pretty confident we were doing, but this gave us an opportunity to actually look at it, and 100% of our patients actually were treated within four weeks, which is very um, important in terms of um, their
0: overall prognosis. Now, is that chemotherapy treatment
1: before the surgery or after or both? It's after. So the patient will have surgery and then recover for about four weeks. That will give us time to order the chemotherapy and then give the radiation oncologist an opportunity to make a specific plan where they get new MRIs to tell the machine where to deliver that radiation in the person's brain. And at the end of that four weeks, the chemotherapy and the radiation begin at the same time and then continue for an
0: additional six weeks together. Now, brain tumors can cause really significant life changes. Um, What sort of things typically manifest when a brain tumor starts forming?
1: It all depends really on real estate of the brain of where the tumor is starting to grow. Mm -hmm. About half the time, it's going to be headaches. It can also be a seizure, which is an electrical discharge of the brain, which causes a focal symptom in the patient. It can be personality changes, speech problems, weakness, numbness. Um, nausea and vomiting. So again, it, it goes back to where in the, the brain the tumor is growing, but there's a, a list of things that typically present in the patient, which will then bring them to medical care, whether that's their primary care physician or an emergency department physician that will then uh, scan the patient and get an either an MRI, which is a picture of the brain or a CAT scan of the brain, which is another uh, diagnostic image, which then alerts us that there's a, a tumor present mm-hmm which eventually then goes to um, a neurosurgeon, the surgeon to to actually come and operate and take the tumor out. It sounds like it could be any one of those things, depending on where in
0: the brain the tumor is forming. That's correct. It can be one or many of those symptoms. So, Bob, when did you first start to realize that you might have something going on in there?
2: Uh, That would be January of 2012. Mm -hmm. And had a... I think you had some problems with speech and a seizure. A seizure, yes, mm-hmm. at that time. And about three months later, I had had my first surgery. Mm-hmm. So it was a very sudden.
1: Yeah. And yeah. in some patients, like Bob, it can be a sudden change. So a seizure is something that is sparked immediately and the symptom comes on. Other patients of ours will have symptoms that evolve over a couple of days or weeks where the the family will report back to us, they, you know, In retrospect, we started to notice headaches or speech problems or or something that evolves over weeks and then kind of culminates into a a big symptom that presents them to medical care.
0: Mm -hmm. So, like, how do you tell if a headache, say, is, you know, serious enough to go see your doctor about?
1: It's very challenging that there's so many millions of Americans out there who have headaches. So, the way that we try our best to determine whether something is severe is if this is a A nuanced headache, which means you know, if you were someone who's never had headaches before, and now you're starting to have headaches as an adult, that to us is a red flag. A red
0: flag, yeah.
1: Another would be is a lot of patients have a history of headaches, but then they have a new type of headache. They say this is different. This is not like my typical headache, and that to us also um, that alerts us to say, you know, this is something that warrants a scan of the brain.
0: Now, do we have any idea what causes these tumors? we don't. So that's
1: one of the questions that I get frequently. Um, it's an excellent question and a frustrating answer for me to give is we really don't know what causes these. We have an excellent understanding of some of the genetics of these tumors, of what genes have problems and have what we call mutations. But we, I think our, our basic science is farther along than our clinical understanding of why patients such as Bob and, and others have come down with these tumors. We don't have that answer yet about 5% of patients or less will have a genetic syndrome that puts them at a predisposition for different kinds of cancers. And most of those patients already know that they have a genetic syndrome because it runs in the family pretty mm-hmm. rampantly, but for the majority, we do not. Now, is that something that you're starting to identify with genetic testing? It's, it's really not actually. For brain tumors, the, the patients who have genetic syndromes may be at increased risk for certain kind of tumors, um, but we typically are not scanning their brains. Mm-hmm. There are a couple exceptions to that to that rule, but for the majority of it, we don't have any screening
0: tools for brain tumors at this moment. So typically they know because there's a family history of some kind. In those cases, correct. Gotcha. So how do you go about treating a brain tumor once you've
1: diagnosed it? We take a multidisciplinary approach. It, it takes a, a large number of physicians and nurses and healthcare providers to help treat brain tumor patients. It always will start with some sort of surgery after mm-hmm. the MRI tells us that something is there that we're concerned about a tumor. A neurosurgeon will, will perform a surgery, whether it's a biopsy, which is taking a small piece of the tumor out, or they'll actually try to take out the majority or all of it that they can see under their microscope and surgery. So the neurosurgery is step one once the pathologist which is the physician who looks at the tumor under a microscope and tells us what it we'll direct the care to someone like myself a neuro-oncologist who treats the tumors with chemotherapy in this case uh it's a pill form Mm -hmm. and then the radiation oncologists which are, are physicians who treat the tumor with radiation and the patient will lay down flat on a table and they will beam radiation beams to the area of the cavity of the of the tumor so it, it really takes multiple specialties coordinating the care together for that one individual patient. A lot of
0: different people involved, yeah. Yeah, it takes a village, it really does. It really does. Any other uh, specialties that typically come into play other than the ones you've mentioned already?
1: The, the neuroradiologists are extremely helpful. They're the physicians who will read the MRI scans. So we get scans every two or three months on our patients and it's really critical to have a radiologist with expertise in reading these scans because there can be so many... Um, nuances and things about the scans to interpret that help guide us in the therapy. And beyond physicians, it's extremely important to have speech therapists and physical therapists, occupational therapists, nutritionists, genetic counselors, nurses, and all the staff in the hospitals and the clinics. So it it
0: really is a massive team here. A lot of unique aspects to the treatment. Now, Dr. Curry, you're the only fellowship-trained neuro-oncologist currently practicing in the area what exactly is a neuro-oncologist it sounds like that's a combination of multiple specialties
1: i went through my initial training in the field of neurology and we are medical subspecialists who treat brain and spine and then the muscles and the nerves out in your extremities with medical therapies so we don't operate on patients We treat certain things like strokes and Parkinson's disease and headaches and multiple sclerosis, et cetera. But one of the small subspecialties in the neurology world is neuro-oncology. And I was exposed to that in my first year of internship when I was working in in the hematology oncology side and got to meet a lot of cancer patients and their families. And I really gravitated towards those and doing some of the research throughout, throughout my residency, I realized that a neurologist can get trained in the oncology aspect of the brain So I applied and was fortunately accepted to go up to Memorial Sloan Kettering and and had a a year fellowship there where I was trained in the chemotherapy uh, for brain tumors and also the other neurologic complications that come with cancer treatment. So I treat other patients that don't have brain tumors but may have breast or lung cancer with neurologic issues such as strokes or seizures or headaches. So I see myself as straddling the field of neurology as well as medical oncology And that allows
0: me to take care of a specific subset of patients. So Dr. Curry, you mentioned that you don't do the surgery yourself. So when that is a component of treatment, how does that work?
1: For us at Trialth, we're very fortunate to partner with Mayfield Clinic which is a a large group of neurosurgeons here in the tri-state area. And there are a number of Mayfield surgeons who are subspecialty trained in brain tumor surgery, where they actually did additional years after the residency to learn more specifically how to best take care of brain tumor patients. So they are the surgeons who will get one of the initial calls about a newly diagnosed brain tumor, and they will operate at one of our locations. And then they bring us into the mix to, again, get back to that multidisciplinary care where they'll bring in the neuro-oncologist
0: and the, the radiation oncologist to care for that patient. Interesting. So uh, this treatment, um, Bob, when you were going through this, mm-hmm. how did this
2: affect your, your day-to-day routine and your quality of life? It depends what part I happen to be on, uh, mm. the surgery, the
1: chemotherapy pills and radiation. Yeah,
2: and it, it just takes uh, sometimes a few weeks or a month, but eventually I get back to almost no issues at all. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a surgery, oh, well, maybe five, six weeks ago, and I'm 90% there, and pretty soon, hopefully, it's, I'm back to normal. So it, it, I've been very, very lucky, giving almost, I think, almost seven years that's exceptional. And over that time, I've been I've been in pretty good shape. You're still running? Well, yeah, I I'm, i can't right now. I've been told not to. Oh, I'm sorry to hear so that. So I'm walking, and hopefully in another few weeks, they'll let me uh, get back to get it. Get back, yeah. 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 But
0: it sounds like you guys uh, went in for the amazing race together a few years <laughs> back. <laughs> we did, and,
1: and about five years ago, Bob and I applied for the amazing race, sent in a video because we thought we'd be a great team. Unfortunately, we're not picked, but um, if they're listening, we're certainly happy to apply
0: again.
1: (laughs) Um, If I could uh, step in and brag about Bob for a second. So as, as we said, he was diagnosed in 2012. Bob's undergone multiple surgeries, multiple rounds of radiation and chemotherapy. And actually Bob was also on a clinical trial years ago where he was receiving these vaccine injections targeting a specific mutation that is in his tumor that about a third of the patients have. And he has tolerated every treatment so well. And like you said, he bounces back from just, it's amazing to see. And it gives us a lot of hope and strength as, as care, the healthcare providers to see someone who's able to do such remarkable things. And a lot of, I think Bob's problems more with running is orthopedic issues. It's
0: not from the brain. <laughs> so he's, he's, Old just, age. <laughs> but he's, he's a, just an amazing man. That's fantastic. Are there any results from that study that he participated in that you're able to share mm-hmm. with us? Or?
1: Well, yes. I think, I, I hope in Bob's case that it was helpful. The, the overall study um, did not show that the vaccine was beneficial compared to those patients who did not get it. We don't know for sure if Bob got the vaccine because it was blinded. Mm-hmm. Um, of so, course. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, sure. But at least you're... Uh, you you're participating in a process that will help others.
1: Absolutely. It was it certainly was moving the needle forward in the field of neurooncology by by volunteering for something like that.
0: Excellent. So, Bob, you've started giving back in your own way by volunteering at Bethesda North and training therapy dogs. Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, we uh, I've been taking our uh, Newfoundland, 170 pound dog. Oh, nice. Uh, to uh, hospitals and schools uh, and, and other places. And for being as big as he is, just very lazy and very good with uh, people. And it, it, it's, it's been fun for me, and he seems to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, What's it like to see? patients reactions to him when you when you visit with the dog. It, it, that's a good question because it differs so much from people that, that we visit. Some talk to the dog and and all that. Others ignore the dog and just want to have me listen. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's it's great because it's it's enjoyable no matter what we end up doing for an in, individual.
0: Well that's fantastic work. Thank you for doing that.
2: My pleasure. So what
0: sets the TriHealth Brain Tumor Center apart from other places, you know, either locally or throughout the country that do this kind of care? So I think it starts with experience.
1: You have to have a large team who has treated many of these tumors in the past. These are in the grand scheme of health in the United States, these are fairly rare tumors, the type of tumor that that Bob has that's been we've been treating probably about 20,000 per year in the United States at most, maybe a little less than that. So you have to be in a center that sees a lot of these tumors. And that's what we we do at TriHealth is we have a number of these patients that come through our doors and you have to have physicians who work well together. Mm -hmm. And I think our multidisciplinary approach is really fantastic. We have tumor boards that meet every other week to review all the new cases and talk about what our plan is gonna be because it has to be individualized to that patient and that's what we're able to do with everybody that we have there. And then getting back to what you said about the certification we had, we had you know an external party validate that. So I think
0: we're really on the the right track here to give excellent care. Fantastic, Bob. What was it like to go through this process where you had so many different specialists, you know, focusing on your care?
2: Uh, it was it was somewhat comfortable because everybody seemed to know and unique uh issue what they were doing and um it wasn't great but it, just, it really wasn't painful or uncomfortable mm-hmm. for a long for a long time mm-hmm. uh, i mean short sure, but uh, i just it's just been very relatively what i relatively comfortable uh for all that i i went through so all the different
0: people who were treating you did they seem to know what was going on, or did you have to bring any of them up to speed as you were Oh, going? no, no, no.
2: <laughs> no, they they know what they were doing. I I assume they did. And obviously, after the, how long I've lived, lived through this, mm-hmm. they know exactly what they're doing. Okay. Well, Dr.
0: Curry, Bob, it's been great chatting with you today. And Bob, we wish you the, the best of luck. As, oh, thank uh, you. you. So far, so good. All right. Thanks for being with us here today on Health Talk. Thank you. You've been listening to Health Talk by TriHealth, where leading local care professionals help you to stay up-to-date on proactive healthcare strategies and to live a healthier lifestyle. New episodes of Health Talk by TriHealth are released on the first Tuesday of every month. I hope you'll join us next time. You can listen to Health Talk online at trihealth.com or search for Health Talk by TriHealth on SoundCloud, Apple iTunes, or your favorite podcast source. This is Tom Tumbush. Thanks for listening. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It should not be relied upon to make a diagnosis or for treatment purposes. And this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. Please consult your healthcare provider or contact TriHealth to make an appointment if medical attention is needed. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals interviewed and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of TriHealth or any of its affiliates. This podcast is the copyrighted work of TriHealth, which owns the exclusive rights thereto. Unauthorized use, copying, and dissemination are illegal. Copyright 2018, TriHealth. All rights reserved.